Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey YA is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders, the digital bookish resource and hangout spot for readers. Enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to Insiders, short story, novel, and the epic level, and you can try any level out free for two weeks. For podcast lovers, meeting you, Insiders at the novel and epic level get access to two exclusive shows, the Read Harder podcast, co-hosted by me, which gives recommendations for the Read Harder challenge task by task, and Book Riot Remix, where we randomly pair up hosts from our shows to talk about, well, whatever they want. Insiders also get exclusive access to bookish deals, behind-the-scenes newsletters, and our new release index, the Epic Book Club, and more. Sign up for your free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, HeyYA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. HeyYA is a book riot podcast. I'm Tirza Price, and today I'm joined by our brand new managing editor, Vanessa Diaz. Yay, hey. Vanessa! <laughs> Welcome! Thank you. Gosh, yeah. I'll uh, let you say that this is episode 97. <laughs> We're recording yes. on July 2nd, 2021. We're just really excited because we haven't gotten to podcast together in a really long time. So we're kind of having a geek out. This is true. We are. I'm so excited to hear your voice and chat with you. We used to co-host the Read Harder podcast together. And yeah. then Vanessa got very, very busy with her official editorial duties. And she left me. But now we are on this podcast together. And we're so excited. It's very exciting. Yeah, we're like, it's funny that we're both like on the same podcast as far as like still being on all the books. But because we each record with Liberty, we don't like obviously get to talk to each other. And I'm like, oh, I miss I miss podcasting with you. So this will be fun. Same here. Like we yeah, we get on the phone and we just talk and talk and talk. So we're gonna try to rein ourselves in. And we're like, oh yeah, we have to record a thing. I guess we should probably do that. (laughs) We are gonna talk about YA books, which is really exciting. Something that we both enjoy. So I cannot believe that it is July 2nd and we're halfway through the year already. Like what? Uh, No. And I feel like to some extent I say that every year, but particularly in the last, like between 2020 and 2021, it's been pretty severe where like, I just feel like I looked up and saw the date on the calendar and went, wait, who? <laughs> like, no, no, was was not ready for that. Like, I haven't taken enough PTO this year. <laughs> like, right. just All the things that I keep thinking about, like, how is it already halfway through? But here we are. I know. It's, it's really screamed by, but I don't know about you. I feel like I have read more YA books in the first half of 2021 than, like, I probably read in most of 2020, which is sad to say. But that's exciting. So I guess I'll take that win. I know. I think I when we were planning out, like, what the topic for today was going to be, I said to Tears, like, well, I don't know if I've read, like, that much YA this year. And then I was, without checking any kind of reading log, just rattled off, I think, like, eight titles. And that was a solid, you know, couple weeks. So my point being that, yeah, I've read a lot more, like, when I actually <laughs> went through the list. I was like, okay, you're a big fat liar. Uh, I've definitely read more YA than I thought. I just... I don't know. I've gotten so immersed in these stories. And I don't say this like negatively. I just kind of like forgot that they were YA. Like my brain didn't <laughs> classify them a certain way. It was just like, I need to get my hands on that book and forgot like that most of them <laughs> were YA. Yes. But they're so good. It's been they're such so a great good. year for lit. Ugh. It really has been. And yeah, so today we're going to be talking about some of our favorites of the year thus far. And um, it was funny because when you shared your initial like list with me of like, oh, these are the ones I'd love to talk about. I was like, damn it, Vanessa, you always pick the books that I love, which is not really a bad thing. And I have a bit of an unfair advantage, not advantage, (laughs) but like, so I mean, I am an editor, right? So like I touch a lot of the content. So like I see all the newsletters you write and posts. So a part of me, like when I actually sat down to think about it, I was like, I'm pretty sure I read these 
because tears are recommended <laughs> them somewhere, which is so shady. But like, I just didn't think about it. I, I wrote them down and then I could almost visualize like, oh, I remember when she put that on Instagram or when it was on like a three on a YA theme, you know, roundup. Uh, so yeah, in a way, you're kind of on the page here, if you will, through for a lot of these picks, even if they're not technically the ones you're talking about. That's hilarious. And I love that. And I'm not even mad about it. Because as I said, I've read a lot of YA this year. So I was like, Oh, Vanessa's gonna talk about those books. That means I can just go pick three more books. And it's gonna be great. Yeah, we can talk about a lot this way. Yeah, I think I think the I've only there's only two books that you picked that I actually haven't read yet. But they're like on my TBR and I have them like on the stack and I would love Ooh, to get to fun. them. So I'm excited for you to talk about them. Uh, awesome. Yay. Yay. Well, we will do that. But first, let us hear from our first sponsor. So this episode is sponsored by 1500 Miles from the Sun by Johnny Garcavilla. Julian Jules Luna had a plan for his life. Graduate, get into UCLA, move away from Corpus Christi, Texas. Then with one impulsive tweet, he outs himself, ruining his plans for a low-key move. When Matt, a cute Twitter crush from Los Angeles, slides into Jules' DMs, Jules can tell him anything. But when Jules' fears about coming out come true, the person he needs most is 1500 miles away. Now that Jules is in control of his life, what he does next is up to him. This is the debut novel from Johnny Garcavilla, an author whose brand celebrates being proudly queer and Latinx themes. The book is a funny and open-hearted novel about coming out, first love, and being your one and only true self. That one has been on my TBR, so it's nice to have them sponsoring the show today. Yes, that's such a great title, too. It is. It's wonderful. And now let's talk books. Should we, do you want to go, we should have discussed this before, but do you want to go all at once or alternate? (laughs) Let's alternate. I think that'd be fun. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Well, I'll let you go first. All right. So my first pick is Last Night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe. And this book came out in January. So I feel like I've been shouting about it for years, but really it's only been like six months. But this book, oh my gosh. So... It is Melinda Lowe's historical fiction debut. She's obviously written tons and tons of queer YA books. And what I really admire and respect about Melinda's writing is that she writes in a lot of different genres. She's done fantasy, sci-fi, mystery thriller, and now this is historical fiction. It is set in 1953 San Francisco. It is about Lily. She's a Chinese-American teen. She lives in Chinatown. Um, Her life feels kind of, like, small in the sense of, like, you know, she's she has her community. She doesn't venture out of the community very often. She does go to school with a lot of different teens from all over the city. And through, like, a series of events, she sees this advertisement for a male impersonator at a nightclub. And then she meets a white classmate named Kath, who also sees that advertisement. And they kind of have this moment of connection where like, they don't have the language or the, you know, courage to like both acknowledge that like, hey, we're both queer, but they like recognize that there's something different about each other. And so they make this plan to sneak out of their houses at night and go to the Telegraph Club, which just happens to be only a few blocks away from Chinatown neighborhood. And so they go. And of course, it's like completely and utterly life changing because they they see queer culture like for the first time in their lives, like up close. And they are welcomed by like all of these wonderful older lesbians in the club and um, invited to just kind of join them. And they find community and they find connection. And through that community and connection, they are able to sort of start figuring out like what their feelings are towards each other. But, you know, Lily's Chinese American. This is the 1950s McCarthyism communism, Red Scare, like all of that stuff is happening politically. And there's a lot of there's just a lot of stuff that's happening in the news and in her community. And there's a lot of fear, the biggest fear being that the FBI will, you know, arrest her father and try to send him to China, even though he is an American citizen. So there's a lot of political stuff going on as well. And it would be really, really bad, basically, if Lily was outed in any way naturally, you know, some bad stuff does happen, but, and I won't get into that, but what I really love about this book is that it is a book that's set in the 1950s. It is about teenage lesbians. It is about coming of age. 
it doesn't shy away from like all of the dangers, like politically and, you know, physical dangers, all that stuff. But this is not a tragic book. So if you are concerned about that at all, don't worry. It is a fantastic novel. It is Last Night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe. I love this book so, so much. That is definitely one that I have had on hold from the library forever because of you. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, so I have another queer work of YA that I possibly, like, I just loved. And it, this one absolutely came from, I think, a tears of, and to be fair, like, 12 other people recommending it at the same time, like, all over Instagram. And that is The Girls I've Been by Tess Sharp. So the main character is Nora, and she is a teen living with her aunt in Northern California. And she's dealing with this sort of awkward love shape where she's so she has these two best friends one of them is her ex it's a guy and then the other is a girl and like now she and the girl are like kind of a thing and so the guy still has feelings for her and so again kind of a little little love shape if you will and these two friends are all or, or these three friends i should say are all going and they go to a bank to deposit some money from a fundraiser but when they get to the bank ish kind of hits the fan because they find themselves in the middle of an armed robbery and it is a violent armed robbery Things escalate really quickly. Hostages are taken. Law enforcement is like waiting outside. It's a whole, you know, big situation. There's another wrinkle here that the robbers don't know about because our girl Nora is the daughter of a con artist and she's lived a lot of life. And that makes her a very seriously dangerous threat to these robbers. They just don't know that yet. And that's kind of all I want to say because the rest is so much fun to just sort of, you know, watch as it unravels. It does flip back and forth between the present day and then Nora's past. And again, her life as the daughter of a con artist and all that that entails. And you're just watching pieces of her, again, like kind of come to light and unravel. And I mean, it's kind of in the title. Like she's she's been a lot of girls. She's been a lot of people and seen a lot of things. And she is absolutely a force to be reckoned with in a way that was really like delicious to watch. This one does come with some content warnings for a whole lot of stuff for physical violence, sexual abuse, domestic abuse, child abuse, uh, murder, and I think torture. None of it, because I'm a like pretty notorious weenie, I was not uh, like so detailed uh, or described, I should say, in like too much detail. It's, it's definitely there, but it's not super graphic. So if that's an issue for you, this is probably one that you can still handle. But it does reference it and you see how a lot of these things inform uh, the lives of our main character. But it is just so fun. It's very queer. The you know, main character Nora is just so smart. And if you love watching, yeah, these like kind of heisty type of things, obviously from reverse, it's, you're not rooting for the heist people, but watching her get out of like the most impossibly sticky situations, this one is very tense. It's very, very tight. I was kind of like furiously flipping through the pages and I ended up getting it on audio too. So I could listen to it like <laughs> on my way to work, like to finish it as fast as possible. It was that much fun. I loved it so much. And the cover is really cool. It's just like really bright red cover. Uh, so yeah, that is The Girls I've Been by Tess Sharp. I also really love that book. I, oh my gosh, yes. That was one that you claimed and I was like, yes, yes, so good. Um, and it's going to hopefully be adapted into a Netflix movie with Bobby Millie Brown. Oh, that's right. Oh, I, f- I didn't realize it was her. That is yes. incredible. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love when I find things out on the fly like that. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's I'm awesome. really excited. Yeah, so it was really good. So my next pick is Yoke by Mary H.K. Choi. And I am kind of obsessed with Mary H.K. Choi's books because they're so interesting. They um, are usually set like after high school. So like that sort of like 18 to 20 range, which I guess like once upon a time we called new adult, except for like new adult never really took off. But like if, if new adult could have been what it should have been, which is not just like sexy romances that are sometimes problematic, but was like actually an exploration of like those awkward, like 18 to 21 year old years. Um, Mary HK choice books are totally that they're marketed as YA though. So with that very lengthy explanation out of the way, yoke is the story of two sisters. One is named June and one is named Jane. Jane is the protagonist and she is the younger sister. So they're from Texas, a small town in Texas. But as soon as they both graduated from high school, they moved to New York City. So you would think like, okay, two Texas sisters moved to New York City. They would be close, right? 
well, wrong. Like they, they both live in New York City, but they very rarely interact or have much intersection in their lives. Um, Jane is in college and she's really struggling to make ends meet. She's living in this like illegal sublet and her, her roommate is this guy that she's had a crush on that she thought like maybe they could get together, but he's just using her. And she is also um, dealing with some disordered eating. So content warning for that. So she is kind of just barely getting through life when all of a sudden her older sister, June, who is an investment banker, she does something very high powered with money that I don't understand, but she's very good at it. And she's very rich and she just kind of shows up at where Jane is at this restaurant one day and is like, look, I need to talk to you. And she reveals that she has just discovered that she has cancer. And June is really, like, just kind of scared out of her mind because she doesn't know what's going to happen. And um, she's really afraid that, you know, she's going to get really sick and die. And Jane is kind of like, whoa, this is really heavy stuff. Like, I don't know how to help you. Like, we, we don't really have this relationship. But the book is basically the two of them moving in together and trying to figure out how how to take care of one another. And so over the course of this, Jane discovers that June actually stole her identity to use her health insurance because she's still on this decent health insurance plan. And June lost her health insurance because she quit her job. So very practically, June needs Jane. But Jane also you know, is struggling with the idea that June might need her emotionally. And so it is just a really good sort of snapshot of like these very messy female characters who are trying to do their best and they're trying to make things work and they don't always get it right, but they're trying. And that is kind of like what Mary H.K. Choi does really well is writing these messy characters who are in these really tough, impossible situations but who are who are trying and um and what they learn. So I really enjoyed it. It is totally fantastic and it's one of those good books that I think you know can appeal to teens and adults alike. That is Yoke by Mary H. K. Choi. When I first saw that one on your list, like I just added to my cart or like my library holds Yoke, but by <laughs> Jessamine Stanley, which is like a yoga book, and I was like, oh, and then I'm like, oh hello. She put the author in there. Different book. My bad. I can't read. Yes. Oh, awesome book as well, but not, uh, yeah, in the YA space. <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So the second book I want to talk about is another Tears of Special, but also the Internet Special. And the, it's I, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. And I'm actually mad it took me to read it as, like, as long as I did because it, I waited a while. I think I may have just messed up that sentence, but you get what I mean. It's Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boulay. This... Oh, it is. It's just so good. It's so good. I didn't realize that it was like a mystery. It's by an indigenous author. It, oh, let me just actually, you know, tell you about it. So our main character is an 18 year old named Donis Fontaine. And she is a biracial unenrolled tribal member with dreams of studying medicine. And everybody kind of knows that that's what she's going to do. Donis is going to go off and like, go to college and, you know, be a doctor, etc. But she secretly at first, and she's getting ready to, you know, tell the people in her life is deferring her enrollment to stay local and care for her mother and grandmother. And so she's hanging out with some of the, you know, her friends on the res. And then one night, she unfortunately witnesses the murder of her best friend. And it's by her ex-boyfriend who shoots her. And this is not a spoiler. This happens like in the very, very beginning. And it is a really, really awkward, like tense moment that she she watches it happen. She tries to intervene. It doesn't go well. So she's reeling from that, right? Obviously her best friend is killed. She's upset when that killing is slowly but surely followed by a string of other suspicious deaths. And the murders appear to be linked to this new lethal cocktail of meth that's wreaking havoc on the res. So Donis gets pulled into an undercover investigation into the source of this drug, and it's one that brings her into close contact with a new boy in town who she's like super, super smitten with, plays hockey with her brother, um, but who she kind of gets the sense like may be hiding something, you know, of his own. So she pursues her own secret investigation kind of on the side. So she like agrees to participate in the official investigation against everyone's advice and direction is kind of doing her own thing on the side. But she's using her knowledge of chemistry and Ojibwe traditional medicine to uncover kind of the buried secrets in the community. 
it is another one that is so tightly kind of paced. There is a lot of commentary on what it's like to be a biracial unenrolled tribal member and the ways that, you know, tribal matters get handled by non or handled, let's just say by non-tribal sources. So there's just so much to learn there that feels incredibly, incredibly timely right now for reasons that are extremely, you know, tragic. But it was just so oh, I loved everything about it. Like I said, the mystery itself is phenomenal. The character development is really great. Watching Adonis kind of try to figure herself out and what's good for her and for her community and how that evolves over time is just also so lovely. Like, I loved this book from start to finish, and it is also really, really great on audio if you're into that. So yeah, if you've been holding off on this book for whatever reason, please go out and read it. It lived up to all of the hype, and that is Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boulay. Yes, I really enjoyed that one too. I I listened to the audiobook and then I started reading it because I got a finished copy and I just kind of wanted to take my time, but the the narration was so excellent. I highly highly recommend that. It's phenomenal. I I wish I well I I mean I'm really happy to learn that a lot of the stuff like how to pronounce it too and oh it was just it was so yes. great to spend so much time in that like space and you could tell it was like very um, like passionately narrated, which was great. Yeah, and that's that's a good point, too, is there's a lot of Ojibwe that is put into the text. So if you read it, I, I don't think that that is a language that most of us um, who aren't, you know, Ojibwe would, like, look at and be like, oh, I know how that's pronounced. So it was really great to hear the words in the audiobook. Yeah, all the, like, I think Anishinaabemowin is what the what it's, like, called. It, oh, it was so good. It, it, I, yeah. I really do appreciate it for audio, like, in that aspect. Absolutely. All right, so my next pick is one that I also listened to on audio, and I like did it in two days because it was so delightful. It's Perfectly Parveen by Olivia Abtahi, and oh my gosh. So I really liked this book, and I think it really stood out to me because we do not see a lot of YA books that um, are kind of about that, like, age 14 and 15 set. Like, I feel like YA has really aged up a lot. Yeah. So because it's aged up so much, like that is kind of like an under underserved YA demographic, I think. Like, and it's interesting because when I was a teenager, I feel like there were a lot of books, like YA was skewing more younger. Like you, you saw more YA books that were targeting like the 14 to 16 year olds. So this one is really great. It's about a 14 year old named Parveen. Um, the book starts and she's just had an amazing summer between middle school and high school. She went to the beach. She met a guy. They like spent all summer pulling pranks and, and doing fun stuff. And then at the very end of their vacation, he's like, Parveen, will you be my girlfriend? And she is like, yes, I'm starting high school with a boyfriend. And she's so excited, only for him to dump her on the first day of high school orientation. And it's kind of humiliating. And she's very upset about it. And she kind of vows to her two best friends that she's going to find a homecoming date that's going to make that guy sorry. And so she goes about like her first month or so of high school with this mission and she identifies a guy that she is going to basically, you know, be like, okay, we're going to go to homecoming together. I'm going to woo him. But she's kind of under this mistaken impression that the reason why she was dumped is because she's too loud and she's too too much and so she's trying to like be quieter and more reserved in order to get this other guy and it's it's sort of backfiring on her so what i love about this book is like you can tell from like far away you're like no parveen don't do it like you're so wonderful the way you are and if somebody breaks up with you because he says that you're too much like forget that guy but you know she's 14 she doesn't know that yet like she might you know hear it her friends tell her this um her beloved aunt tells her this but she she has to kind of go through the process to really understand that like this is not the way and yet at the same time i loved her every every page like she's just she's trying so hard and she's learning a lot of really important and sometimes hard life lessons but she's also really funny so all of her misadventures and woes were just really really charming. Um, And then the story does kind of take like a more serious sort of turn when you find out. So Parveen is Iranian American. Her, Her father is from Iran. Her mom is white and she has an aunt in um, living in Tehran who 
is going to come visit them. And so her aunt tries to come visit them, but she can't get into the country because of a certain politician's decrees on people from, you know, largely Muslim countries being able to travel to the U.S., which, you know, maybe dates this book slightly because thankfully that is not necessarily as big of an issue as it was a couple of years ago, but it's still, you know, sort of relevant and timely in that these are policy decisions that, you know, Parveen isn't really thinking about in her day-to-day life, but they have this tremendous impact on her family. So I really, really like this balance of like, you know, this 14-year-old girl who just really wants a boyfriend and she wants a romance and she's, you know going through these misadventures of like waxing off body hair and figuring out what to wear and navigating high school. But then she's also taking these Farsi lessons on the weekend. And then she has to confront like these bigger issues in her world that have an impact on her life. And it's just a really good balance. So I I highly recommend this book. It was really fun. Um, I think it would be a great book to give to younger teens, especially, especially like that kind of weird nebulous, like making that transition from middle grade to YA sort of age where you have middle grade readers who want to start reading older, but like you don't necessarily want to hand them like Yoke by Mary H.K. Choi, because that might be a little bit, you know, older than than what they are ready for or what they might be interested in. So Perfectly Parveen by Olivia Abtahi. It's an excellent book. All right, and we're going to keep going, but first, let's hear from another sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Again Again by E. Lockhart. Are you happy with your life? What if you could try again and again? From the New York Times bestselling author of We Were Liars comes Again Again, a romantic and unpredictable love story that will surprise you over and over. After a near-fatal family catastrophe and an unexpected romantic upheaval, Adelaide Bouchwald finds herself catapulted into a summer of wild possibility during which she will fall in and out of love a thousand times while readers behold a story that breaks down walls and redefines storytelling. This book is from the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of We Were Liars and Genuine Fraud, and it is now in paperback. Going back to Perfectly Parveen, I like really wish, yeah, that this kind of thing had been around when I was younger. Like, I totally agree that there is like that weird gap in that age. And I... Speaking as somebody who has tried to make themselves like less when you know that you are extra and loud, like it never works. You just get all my same saltiness just in a lower register. So (laughs) yeah, be yourself. (laughs) And I I love that that book exists. Got to read that. Yeah, there's so much great diversity in that book. And it's like done in a very casual and just sort of organic way. Like, you know, my favorite, she she attends a a classmate's quinceanera. It's it's all sort of just, you know, really cool stuff like that, where you can tell that it's it's very much a diverse book without it being like, let me just let me check off boxes. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Oh, well, I am going to be talking about a quinceanera later on, so that's just a lovely little segue, but I'm going to stick to my order because that's how my notes are written. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so my next book is a really, really like twisty, I'm picking a lot of mystery type of books, and that is The Forest of Stolen Girls by June Her. So this is a historical mystery. It's it's so, it's suspenseful, it's atmospheric, it's set in Choson, Korea in the, ooh, I think... Uh, 1400s. And our protagonist, Min Hwani, and her sister disappeared as children. So we're finding this out in the beginning of the book. When they were young girls, they disappeared into this nearby forest. And they were later found, but they were unconscious. And they were next to what looked like a really grisly murder scene involving potentially a bear, hence the grisly. And but again, they were okay. It was never really determined like what the heck really happened. But their family hasn't been the same ever since. So years and years and years later, the detective father, so again, the father of these girls, I'm sorry, is a detective. And he is sort of have always been haunted, obviously, by the case. And he's continued to be haunted because 13 other girls have disappeared into that same forest. So he decides to travel to their hometown on the island of Jeju. And now he's gone missing, too. So now the eldest daughter, Minhwani, sets out. She decides that she wants to go find her father. She's like, my father would never have left me. Like, I don't understand why he he went. And if if he hasn't come back, like, clearly it's because something bad has happened. So she decides she wants to get to the bottom of these mysterious disappearances. 
But as she does so, the secrets that she unburies suggest that the answer could actually be within her own buried memories. There is a lot of good conversation in this book to be had about the constraints of filial piety, about women's kind of lack of body bodily agency at the time and that dangerous mix that is obsessive protection and misogyny because like she's not even supposed to be traveling by you know on her own because she's not a man so like she faces all kinds of resistance from the people that she's trying to talk to just because she is a woman and then this book really does an excellent job of just casting suspicion on everybody because i changed my mind about who i thought might be the culprit several times and i never quite ended up guessing it And even if I had, I wouldn't have cared because the book is just so wonderfully paced and is set in a time and place that we don't see as much historical, like, YA mystery. Really just historical mysteries. So it was really, really beautiful to spend time in this space. And again, to have those conversations about, like, what it's, what those limits of that piety, filial piety can be. And that's not a you know, critique of, of, of culture or anything. It's just sort of a broad conversation to be had. And it, it, it got me thinking a lot. But it's, oh, it's so good. Again, atmospheric doesn't even make begin to like, do it justice. There's just so much that goes on on this, this island. And yeah, it's a real page turner. So I love this one. And that's called The Forest of Stolen Girls by June Her. And this one is also excellent on audio. Yes, I did the audio on that one too. I really like June Her's um, first book, The Silence of Bones, which is another historical mystery set in Korea, but it's um, 1800s. Oh, so good. And I also was like, I don't know who who the culprit is or the bad guy or bad person. It's just like such a great read. So highly recommend. Yeah, I spent a lot of time hating the wrong people. I mean, I probably hated them for the right reasons, but still I was like, ooh, it's it's totally you. I'm like, okay, maybe it's not. I know. It kept you, it really kept you going, which I really loved. Me too. And she has another book out at the beginning of next year, which I think is more like it might be another mystery, but might be more thriller. I'm really excited. Basically, she's an autobi author for me. (laughs) All right. My next pick is, oh, my gosh, it's a trip. It's The Initial Insult by Mindy McGinnis. And I have to say up front, because I know that sometimes this really ticks off certain readers. This book has a mad cliffhanger. Like, a literal cliffhanger, not just an open ending. So, like, if you don't like that, then, like, wait until the beginning of next year when the sequel, The Last Laugh, comes out because, you know, you're going to want to read them both. But The Initial Insult, it is a retelling of Edgar Allan Poe's The Cask of Amontillado, and it's set in rural Ohio contemporary day. And there's a lot of really fun and clever nods to Poe throughout this book. Like, so many that, like, I mean, I'm not super up and up on his work. I was just an English major. So it's like, I'm going off of what I remember from my high school and college days. But, like, there were a lot of nods, but there were probably more than that I didn't even pick up on. So it is the story of Tress and Felicity. They were one-time best friends as kids. They have since been sort of torn apart because of... When Tress and Felicity were like, I think, nine years old, Felicity was staying the night and then her par- Tress's parents had to drive Felicity home in the middle of the night unexpectedly. And Felicity was found by the river, completely wet, alone, and they have no idea basically what happened to Tress's parents. And that is this big mystery. So fast forward, um, they're now teenagers and Tress is living with her grandfather, who is kind of this neglectful person who has this menagerie of illegal animals out in the backwoods. And she is living this really poverty stricken and just not very happy life. And Felicity, meanwhile, seems to have it all. And Tress is convinced that Felicity knows what happened to her parents and just isn't saying and is just pretending not to remember. And so she decides that she's going to get Felicity to talk. And the way she's going to get Felicity to talk is she's going to brick her up in this abandoned coal chute in this old house. And basically... Every time she tells a lie or doesn't tell the truth about what happened to her parents, she'll put another brick on the wall. And seems plausible. <laughs> this seems, you know, <laughs> that'll work. 
The, but you know what she does? Mindy McGinnis does really well is she really builds the story up to the point where, like, you can tell that Tress is at her breaking point. So, like, it seems plausible. You're like, yeah, I can believe that she was pushed to that. So, you know, Mindy McGinnis just writes these really gritty, hard-hitting YA books. So this is definitely that, like, content warning for, like, harm to animals. Um, nothing is, like, gratuitous or super graphically detailed, but, like, it is an intense book. And so, you know, as Tress is is bricking Felicity up behind this wall, the book goes back and forth between their two perspectives to kind of tell key moments throughout their relationship. And what I think she does so brilliantly is she really shows that, like, Tress has this very narrow perception of what has happened since her parents disappeared and how Felicity has reacted. But then you see the other side where Felicity's like, actually, it was like this. And so they go back and forth and you see, you know, two sides to the same situation. And you really do feel for both girls. And then it kind of leads up to this like cliffhanger ending where you're like, what the heck is going to happen next? So you've got this mystery about like what actually happened to her parents. I have this theory, but of course it's not going to be confirmed until we get the next book because it's a cliffhanger ending. So it's so, so good. Um, it is The Initial Insult by Mindy McGinnis. The second book is coming out at the beginning of 2022. So, you know, you can look for that, but highly recommend. Ooh, I don't know if I should. Do, well, I mean, I don't know if this deal will last because I can't remember when it was announced. But this book is actually the ebook is on sale right now for like two ninety nine. Um, I don't know if that will be current by the time this podcast goes live, but it's worth checking. So again, Definitely. might not be. Don't come for me. But if it's there, you're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah. And when I said that it sounded plausible, I was absolutely like, yep. Like I, I can see how when someone's pushed to their limits, like look, like woo, like I that I've been wanting to read that one for a bit. Yeah, it's good. Excellent. Okay, so my next one is finally not a mystery. <laughs> well, it's got some mysterious elements, but um, that's The Gilded Ones by Namina Forna. This is a work of fantasy, and it is worth it for the cover alone. It's just so beautiful. It's got this, like, I want to say, like, turquoisey green background, and then you see this beautiful black girl with just this gorgeous skin and all this really beautiful gold, like, paint. Well, it's not paint, but it's, like, gold on her face. Oh, it's just so, so beautiful. Like, I, it was one that you know stood out when i first saw it and the premise is just so much fun so it's the on the when the book opens it's the day of the ritual blood ceremony that will determine if 16 year old deka will be allowed to remain in her village if you have gold blood you are essentially considered evil and so she really really needs her blood to run red but of course it runs a very brilliant gold the color of the impure so in an instant, the village and the family that she's known all her life want nothing to do with her. And she is subjected to a fate worse than death. And by that, I mean, she is essentially like she can't die, but they kill her over and over again. So she is just subjected to the worst of all these fates. And they're not like very graphically described, but you it, you could it's harrowing. It's awful. So she wakes up sometime later after I don't know how many of these attempts and she's dazed and confused and she's in a room with this mysterious woman who makes her an offer. She can, you know, stay in the village and submit to her fate and eventually she will in theory be killed or she can join an army of girls like her. She doesn't exactly know what that means other than the, you know, gold blood and go fight for the emperor. She really doesn't see a viable option here. Like even her father has turned against her. So she follows this woman who she dubs White Hands <laughs> for reasons that you'll see uh, to join that army. And the further she gets into the Empire's mission, you know, the training that she has to go through to the, they want the mission is to eradicate this legion of demons that are known as Death Shrieks. And she has an uncanny ability to potentially speak to and control these death streaks, which gets her in a little bit of trouble. And it becomes clear that none of what she has taken for truth in her life is like really what it seems. None of that is a spoiler. Again, the death streaks thing is in the very, very beginning of the book during the blood running gold thing. But it is just such, again, a well-paced fantasy that takes place in this, I don't think it's named, in fact, but it's, you know, like an African setting. The narration is by Shayna Small, and so I absolutely had to do this one on audio. In fact, I think I did all of today's picks, either in part or in whole, on audio. But she gives such a wonderful voice to everybody from, you know, White Hands to Deka to, like, the other girls that are in this, like, training camp with her. It's so, so good. I had so much fun with this mist. Like, I, I don't know, it had been a bit since I had read a fantasy that I didn't sort of find, like, a teeny bit predictable. And that's not always a bad thing. It's just that this one 
did some really different stuff. Uh, and I loved the the friendships that like develop and, and really the that they're sometimes contentious friendships, but they are friendships and those are really fun to read about too. So there's just a lot to love here. And that is The Gilded Ones by Namina Forna. And this one, I believe, is also the beginning of a series. So there's more to come. Yes, that cover is gorgeous. Love it. All right. So my final pick is She Drives Me Crazy by Kelly Quinlan. And oh my gosh, I love Kelly Quinlan's work. Like she only has three books out, but oh, they're so good. So last year she came out with Late to the Party, which was one of my favorite YA books of the year. She Drives Me Crazy has been super on top of my list, and it was so delightful. So it is a lesbian romance. It's got enemies to lovers. It's got fake dating. If you like all the romance tropes, you need this book. It is the story of Scotty, who is a basketball player, and she lives in this small town called Grandma Earl. Like, that is the town's name. And it is... I'm sorry, who... (laughs) Yes. I had to unmute myself for that. That is fantastic. <laughs> I know. It's it's Grandma Earl, and they're known for Grandma Earl's, like, Christmas Emporium. And their school colors are, like, red and brown, and they're the fighting reindeer. It's hysterically funny. Like, it's just <laughs> so much great personality and details in, like, that uh. town. So, but the town, like, kind of, like, just across, like, the railroad track, so to speak, is slightly bigger, more affluent, and they're kind of like their rivals in all things sports. So before the book begins, Scotty had this girlfriend named Tally and Tally was like really concerned with image. And so she transfers to the town over because they have a better basketball team. And she dumps Scotty in the process, just kind of like new school, new basketball team, you know, new life dumps Tally. Scotty is devastated because she thought Tally was like the one, even though her friends and her sisters are like, you know, Scotty, Tally was kind of the worst and she didn't always treat you well. Um, It's hard for Scotty to see this. So that's before the book starts. The book starts with Scotty and Tally, their teams are playing against each other and Scotty plays horribly because she's so in her own head about Tally and Tally throws her off. And right after the game and after a horrible confrontation with Tally, Scotty gets into a fender bender with Irene Abraham. And Irene is the school's head cheerleader. And she is a very formidable, sort of like a mean girl type of person. And when they get into this fender bender, Scotty's like, oh, no, I'm toast. Like, Irene's going to kill me. And instead, what their moms decide to do is, you know, just call it good on the fender bender. But... Scotty has to give Irene rides to school every day while Irene's car is in the shop. And so that like leads to this very awkward sort of contentious, like I have to give you rides because our moms say so, but we don't like it. Until Scotty realizes that being seen with Irene around school, giving her rides is making Tally jealous. So like Tally's texting her like, what are you doing with Irene Abraham? Why are you giving her rides? And so she decides to basically pay Irene to be her fake girlfriend for a couple of months to get Tally jealous. And it's not really a healthy or responsible plan, but like you can totally understand where she's coming from because Tally really did not treat Scotty very well. And so they agree on this plan because it's mutually beneficial to both. And of course, throughout the process, uh, you know, Irene starts to become more like a human being to Scotty. And Scotty starts to realize that Irene is not like this cold, distant, like ice queen that everybody says she is. And then they start falling for one another. It's so delightful if you just want like a really fun, cheesy high school rom-com with all of the romantic tropes. I really enjoyed it. Like this is the type of book that like it would make my life if Netflix made into like a teen movie because it's exactly the type of entertainment that I love in I need it. like teen stuff. Yeah, I just I really like it. Like I I think it could you know, just be very wonderful on Netflix. And I enjoyed the story. It was a really fun read. The thing that I think I'm most impressed by Kelly Quinlan's writing is that she does such a good job of like evoking the feeling of being in high school, where you know, you have your friends and you have your family and you've got your school stuff going on. But you know, a lot of people and you've got you know, all these things that are pulling you in all these different directions and the feelings are so heightened and the friendships feel so real and the romantic stuff and the relationship stuff is so real. Like, I feel 
like my high school years were just like last week when I'm reading these books and like in the best way possible (laughs) because I would not want to go back to high school but they're just really fun so I get really nostalgic while reading you know she drives me crazy and late to the party but she drives me crazy just came out this year highly recommend I've been sitting here singing that like she drives me crazy song and that probably (laughs) dates me a lot but okay (laughs) I love it. Uh, you absolutely had me. I mean, at the Christmas part, the Grandma Earl, but like the fighting reindeer, full took me out. Like, I know. full took me out. <laughs> like, I just it's, can't imagine those sports games. <laughs> right. It's funny because, like, that stuff, those details aren't like in the marketing of this book at all. But sure. then you, like, find it out in the first chapter. And I was like, sold. I am so into this book. I am like, going to go. mention this on a podcast. Yeah. Yes. No. That needed <laughs> to happen. So great. <laughs> Big selling point. <laughs> yes. Cool. I'm uh, definitely adding that. I was scribbling that one down real quick. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to close us out here with my promised quinceañera book. And that's called Once Upon a Quinceañera by Monica Gomez Ira. I, I know I've said this a thousand times today. I love this freaking book so much because it just like spoke to my I once had a quinceañera soul, even though it's about <laughs> Cubans and I'm Mexican. So fun. So Carmen Aguilar is our main character and she like a costly mistake that in which she was standing up for herself. So like, I see why she did it, but it has cost her essentially this internship class that she was taking. And so now she has to retake it because she's a few credits short of being able to graduate from high school. So she decides again, retake it, but this time she has to get a different sort of job to fill that internship. And she decides to you know talk to her best friend about it. And she gets a job with her best friend working as a dream. And what that means is that she performs at kid parties dressed in giant Disney princess gowns and, you know, acts like the princess that she's dressed up as. And they, you know, you've those under kind of entertainment where like the princesses show up and they sing and they interact with the kids. So she's doing that in the middle of this, you know, super hot Miami summer. So it's it's got some drawbacks, but overall it's a pretty sweet gig that she enjoys. And she gets to do it with her friend. You know, it's it's kind of an easy thing. She's she can perform like she can sing, so it all works out. But that is until the boy who broke her heart and smashed into a million pieces joins the dream team. Sorry, not sorry. Which is just awkward as hell because, again, she wants like nothing to do with him. But now she's going to have to not just like be in the same space with him, but like probably perform with him like side by side in this sort of, you know, intimate. There's there's not there's only what, like two or three people that show up to these things at a time. So like she's going to have him there as like the prince to her princess. And right when she's like, uh, I, that's it. I'm quitting. I can't do this. Or like, I need to figure out a way for like him to not work with me. What am I going to do? The dreams are hired to perform at the quinceanera of her bratty younger cousin. And it's the cousin who betrayed Carmen and essentially ruined her reputation. So it's even more awkward now, but kind of between a rock and a hard place. Like if she wants to earn those credits, she's going to have to manage dancing in this brutal Miami heat, just like slap on, you know, a happy face and kind of pretend that this, Papi Chulo X of hers isn't super, super cute because he is, even though he did her really dirty in her mind. And then she also has to maybe try to stop her spoiled prima and her cousin from ruining her own dang quinceanera. And there's a lot to be discovered there about like why they no longer get along. It's so much fun. So if she can do all this, then, you know, she might just get her happily ever after. This is a, you know, YA romance. So you're maybe going to see where this is going. But so the A, again, the story from like a representation perspective was just really fun because I loved this exploration of like all the shenanigans that go into a quinceañera. And like for those of you who have never been or had or know of one, you in theory do this dance. So like you, in, like if you do it traditionally, there's going to be like maybe a father-daughter dance. And then at one point, it's very popular now to do what's called a baile sorpresa, which is where you and your court, there is a court, you usually have like a bunch of men. Um, some people do just women or just the young men, but it's it's a court. So it's kind of like, I guess, bridesmaids and groomsmen, if you want to think of it that way. And they all do this big dance. So like you start off doing a waltz and then the baile sorpresa, surprise dance, is usually some sort of like reggaeton, hip hop, like low key twerking kind of situation. So that's what like the dreams are involved in. And just watching all of that unfold and the drama between, you know, the tias, the aunts, the cousins and like her feelings for this boy and like how maybe she's like not understanding how things really went down. And she is so, word I can't say, prickly like and that's i think what i loved the most about the book is that you get to allow this teen or or you get to watch i should say you know read this teen girl get to be angry like she's angry she's prickly she's not reasonable at times and they're not supposed to be when you're heartbroken and feel betrayed and 
have questions about your identity and just like what your place is in the world. And for all of those reasons, I was just like, ugh, like I can't get enough of this book. It's also just really funny and felt like a blast to my past with like a little less drama. <laughs> or mine mine had less drama <laughs> than this one did. Um, but it's also last thing before I finish up. It's again, really great narration. This one's by Frankie Corzo, who is clearly becoming one of my like favorite auto listen narrators. She did well, she's done a whole lot this year, but most recently, I think like Mexican Gothic and Each of Us a Desert. She's everywhere right now. She's working. But she does a really, really great job, too, of really like diving into that. Like, I am bitter at the world space, but like, I got to get my ish together and family over everything situation that I think a lot of folks will love and relate to. So, oh, this was so much fun. And I, I hope it gets a lot of shine. And that's Once Upon a Quinceanera by Monica Gomez Ira. Yay! Those are 10 wonderful, exciting YA books that we love so far this year. We definitely think you should pick them up and enjoy them. We hope you do. They're so good. Yeah. And Vanessa, do you have like, okay, one, I know this is really hard, like one quick, like, I'm excited to read this book that comes out in the second half of 2021 that you want to throw out Oh, (laughs) crud. I meant to write this down and now I'm like, "Hmm." oh my gosh. Let me see. I'm going to try to bust this out. Could you like know yours at the top of your head? I, I will tell, I will talk about one that I'm really excited about. So one book that I'm really excited to pick up is Dangerous Play by Emma Cress. Ooh, which, that's a good one. Yeah, it's like about this girl who is the captain of her field hockey team. She really wants to, you know, go all the way with her field hockey team. She is assaulted and her field hockey team turns into this like girl vigilante group who goes about exacting revenge on very bad boys and men around their town. So cannot wait. It sounds amazing. There's just so many great books coming out later this this fall, though. It's really hard to pick just one. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember. And that's why I like I paused for a second that I, I want to say that the new Soraya Cordova, The Inheritance of Orquidia Divina comes out this year. And if I'm <laughs> wrong, and it's 2022, I'm gonna feel real bad. But I'm fairly positive it's this fall. And I cannot wait because she is diving into her, I believe, Ecuadorian roots in this one and telling like much like an intergenerational story about the Montoya family. And I, I want it. I want it so yes. much. Like I've had the galley for like, I don't know for how long at this point, but you know, life and podcasts, like I just haven't been able to crack it open. But it just sounds oh, like everything I want from her and that I'm really excited to like see her writing about. Yay. That sounds great. Yeah. September. Woo. September 7th. All right. I wasn't completely out of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds good. So yes, there's a lot to read now. There's a lot to look forward to. We hope that you discovered a few great new books and let us know if you actually pick up one of the books that we have recommended on the show. You can always leave us some feedback in you know Apple Podcasts. You can also check out the full list of everything that we've talked about in the show notes. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm hang out at, at Tears of Price. That's T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C-E. Where can people find you online, Vanessa? I'm on the Twitter and Instagram at Buenos Dias SD, which is B-U-E-N-O-S-D-I-A-Z-S-D. And because uh, I'm going to be a San Diego girl forever. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you, as always, to our amazing sound editor, Jen Zink, for making us sound great. And we will be back with another full episode in two weeks. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. I'm so happy that you joined me for, for this one episode. It was really fun. So happy reading, everyone. Happy reading, everyone. Happy reading, everyone.